The Mustard Tavern Keepers History of the Old World. What a surprise. No doubt this was your doing, senior apprentice. Ah, uh, the tune I was singing? I don't really think you can call my uh, vocalization singing. That's the subject of today's lesson. He always used to sing this in the morning. I don't know what it is, though. And I don't know if I sang it correctly, either. Well... Neophytes, again, I wish you all a warm welcome. The days are getting shorter, and there is a chill creeping into the air. Yet this rain, this perpetual rain, shows no signs of abating. Oh well, I can only hope it is as unpleasant for our would-be skaven overlords as it is for the rest of us. That said, find yourself a good place near the hearth and warm your cockles. But no nodding off, mind you. If your quills and parchment are ready, we shall return to our tale. We left our story at the point where my tutor and I had nursed the Arabian man we found lost at sea back to health. As his strength grew, so did his tongue loosen, and thus did his tail unfurl before our eyes. We called the man Ibn Jalaba, although his real name was extraordinarily long and complicated. I do have it written down somewhere. I can't find it now. He was the son of Abu Zaid Jalaba, an Arabian merchant of some renown back in the 12th century. Yes, you heard me right the 12th century, some 400 years ago. I make no mistake, and I'll explain this in due course. But for the moment, please be patient and accept this little fact. Ibn too had been a merchant by trade, but not only this, he was also a scholar, and it was his keen mind, not his wealth, that was to catapult him from obscurity into history. During the late 1140s, Arabian traders and other maritime mercantile elements of their society were in direct competition with both the fleets of the sea and dark elves and those of far-off Cathay. The Arabians were attempting to expand their influence along the perilous trade routes around the Southlands, to the lucrative Far East, but they were finding themselves very much 
outclassed. Thus, in the city of Kasabar, the sultan of that time, Ertrugal the Obscure, commanded Ibn find an overland trade route through the Southlands to circumvent this formidable competition. The Sultan ostensibly invested heavily in this venture, giving Ibn over 50 camels and an escort of fanatical silent guard, primarily drawn from Munich Mountain, under the command of a powerful champion whom Ibn called Hakim the Fearless. However, truth be told, the Sultan did not have high hopes for Ibn's prospects, and his investment did not really make a dent in either his army nor his coffers. Ibn himself was determined to make a success of this, though. He saw himself making a fortune and living out his days in decadent luxury. To this end, he used his own money to hire several Tuareg scouts to help him navigate the treacherous desert. His instincts were good, for it was these that were to be the key to the whole endeavour. The Tuareg are a fascinating people with whom I have had the pleasure of spending some time. They are easily recognisable by their blue indigo garments called tagelmus that the Tuareg men traditionally wear. The dye used in making these often leaches into their skin and this has given them the sobriquet the blue people, although they refer to themselves as the Kel Tegelmust, meaning veiled people. Anyway, back to our narrative. The expedition eventually reached the edge of the great desert of Araby, where it rolls into the plains of Tuscus, not far from the modern-day imperial city of Sudenburg, on the Gulf of Medes. Of course, this was 300 years before the city was even founded, that happening during the Crusades in Estalia. So, the area at that time was uninhabited. But, what the Tuareg scouts found shows why this area became the spot where the city was built. The land was peppered with oases and watering holes, around which the Arabians built cairns of rocks and stones, and Ibn dutifully marked them on the map he was creating for the Sultan. It was these cairns that Imperial explorers would later find and claim were divine signs sent by Sigmar to guide them in bringing his light to the Southlands. The religious see signs everywhere. As far as Ibn was aware, from his studies, no Arabian had ever come this far before, and the Tuareg duly confirmed this hypothesis and extorted more gold from him in order to go any further. However, I suspect that the Tuareg did actually know this area to at least a certain degree, as they are very well travelled, and their oral tradition is second to none. I think it was just a ploy, and a sensible one at that, to get more gold. And so, the expedition continued their long trudge southwards. The sparse vegetation on the outskirts of the plain quickly began to thicken, and they soon found themselves in the depths of a near-impenetrable jungle. The indefatigable silent guard had to hack away at the dense flora to make headway, and they spent many hours every evening sharpening the blades on their scimitars so as to face the next day's travails. 
However, the gods, although I could not tell you which gods, were looking down upon the expedition. And, just at the point, Ibn Jalabu was on the verge of giving up upon the venture. They discovered a wide, paved road that disappeared off to the horizon, heading southwards. They followed this road for countless days, making rapid progress and living well off the bounty of the jungle. As the expedition progressed, they actually moved very close to a number of ancient cities, but the travellers were completely unaware of their existence. It was only years later that Ibn learnt of their existence at all, although he was never permitted to visit any of them. However, just because the Arabians were unaware of their proximity to the scions of the ancients, did not mean that their movements went unnoticed. Ibn learned later that, in point of fact, they had been under close scrutiny since they discovered the archaic thoroughfare, and these observers were about to make themselves known. And, my apologies, I must leave it there for today. I need to see a man, well, your alchemy tutor, Cedric actually, about securing more ale. With the civil strife that is plaguing the city, showing no signs of abating, imports into the city have dried up. Cedric informs me that he has a potential alchemical solution to my looming supply quandary. I have a long afternoon of experimentation ahead of me by the sound of it. Thus, your usual lesson with Cedric is also cancelled. But don't breathe easy yet. The, um, how does one describe him? Mm, well, anyway, Herman Harwick, the blacksmith, has stepped up to fill the gap. He told me that you lot can look forward to an exciting afternoon learning how to tune your pistols and rifle any barrel. Enjoy, but don't forget this. You are the seeds of our future. But without the nourishment of the past, you will wither. Ciao for now.